0: Hi, this is Rebecca, and I'm so glad that you have tuned in to the St. Peter's Lake Mary podcast. I think that because you've tuned in, you will learn more about the ways of the Lord. At St. Peter's, we believe that we have been called by God to share the joy and love of Jesus Christ. We hope that these next few minutes will captivate your mind and heart by the transforming Word of God. To find out more about St. Peter's Lake Mary, visit us at stpeterslakemary.org. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please send your grace upon even us this evening as we celebrate the birth of your son. I pray that those angels would be a little bit closer to us this evening. Or maybe we just made more aware of them, that we might receive your gospel in a new way this Christmas, and that you might be forever changed by the encounter. Bless us this evening in all that we say and do. Open our hearts and my lips to your word. Through Christ Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. So if I uh, was to put a title to my sermon tonight, what I want to do is sort of get at Christmas behind the scenes or Christmas from the view of heaven. It's part of my job is to try to put a, a, a new angle on the same old story. And so this is my best attempt tonight. My uh, favorite part, I think, of the story growing up, the Christmas story, ...was the appearance of those angels. I just loved it. And, you know, because I think I liked it so much... ...because somebody, I think, had recently taught me... ...what angels were like in the Bible... ...as they're portrayed in the Word of God. And they're not like the little chubby cherubs you see... ...little fat babies with tiny wings... ...that could never lift that fat baby off the ground... ...any day of the week. Alright? We're not talking about those little guys... ...that show up on Valentine's Day... ...and shoot you with their arrows... We're talking about the angels as they are in the Bible. They're great, glorious, powerful, awesome spiritual beings. When, when people find themselves in the presence of an angel in the Bible, they, 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 they find themselves overwhelmed and overcome, and they're tempted to worship him as a god. They're so awesome and powerful and almost unbearable in their brilliance. And have you ever wondered why they show up in this story? You know, I mean, no doubt, part of it was to just get the shepherds on the right track. Hey, guys, wake up. Go, go check this out in Bethlehem, right? But I mean, thinking about how awesome it is to encounter just one angel. Surely that would be enough, you would think, if the, mess, if the idea was just to get the message across. But we get a whole lot more than one, don't we? We start with one. And then all of a sudden, like hundreds and thousands of them sort of crack through as well and join them. They just can't help themselves. And they burst onto the scene and there's a whole multitude of the heavenly hosts, more than we could count. Crying out, it says, Suddenly there was with the angel, the one angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Swarms and swarms of these awesome, fearsome, glorious and powerful creatures. All bursting forth in spontaneous jubilation." I think it seems like there might be a whole lot more going on behind the scenes than simply the birth of a baby might suggest, yeah? There's a bigger story here. and That's what I want to get at tonight. You know, here's how you might think of it. You might think about, um, I don't know, if you're into Lord of the Rings, I have a feeling that some of you here like Lord of the Rings. Think about the hobbits and their little country life. Their quiet life; they they have really little idea at all that around their borders, for generations, has been raz- raging a titanic battle for the well-being of the world. You know, they're just living their quiet life there, and then, but out there, beyond the borders, they maybe hear it once in a while, but they're not really aware. That there's this massive warfare for the peace of the world. It's good and evil. Everything hangs in the balance here. And it's, you know, life or death kind of stuff. And they're clueless. They don't understand. They don't care about the brighter story. Uh, maybe think of it like, uh, if you don't like Lord of the Rings, let's, maybe it's like you're a kid. Or think about your children if you're a parent. Or, um, what it was like for them. Remember growing up, they have... So little awareness of the stresses and the conflicts and the dangers of the broader world, yeah? They have no idea what it's really like out there. How rough it could be and how, how brutal people can be and how just awful things are, yeah? The kids have no idea. They just enjoy the peace and the safety of the homes that we provide for them. And that's the way it should be, right? They're shielded, protected from all that so they can grow and nurture, be nurtured in a healthy way. But, uh, you know, uh, and I'm mindful because last Christmas I asked you to sort of become more childlike. This Christmas I'm asking you to be less childlike. I'm asking you to grow up a little bit more this Christmas. You know, I want us to see from the perspective of the angels what's really going on in the Christmas story. The perspective of, you know, the God's eye view. It's a more grown-up perspective. It's a little more rough. It's a little more dangerous. I want to see, though, what all the fuss is about, don't you? To do that, we're going to have to go somewhere. You might never think I would go, usually. We're going to go to the book of Revelation. How do you get behind the scenes? You pull back the curtain a little bit, you open up John's Apocalypse. That'll do it. So if you've got your Bibles with you, or if you've got a Bible app handy, maybe you've got the thing memorized, (laughs) you can turn to Revelation 12. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun. With the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Who is this portraying? It's Mary. Or maybe the church. I think the answer to that question is which of those? I think the answer is yes. (laughs) And this glorious woman, clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and the 12 stars, she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth that's the first sign you've got Mary the church represented and another sign appeared in heaven behold a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and on his heads seven diadems Lord of the Rings this sounds so crazy now does it it's tame compared to Revelation (laughs) his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven cast them to the earth and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child he might devour it she gave birth to a male child one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron but her child was caught up to god and to his throne and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by god in which she is to be nursed for 1260 days and now war arose in heaven michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven and the great dragon was thrown down that ancient serpent Who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. It's a little different Christmas story, isn't it? It's portraying the same thing, but from a different point of view. It's quite dramatic, isn't it? I mean, obviously first we've got John describing Mary at the church in the view of God getting, you know getting ready to give birth and then giving birth to Christ in His earthly form. And you've also got this other this powerful image of this dragon. You know? His name was Lucifer once upon a time, the bearer of the light of truth. He was the truth bearer. And yet, he chose instead to be Satan, the deceiver, the father of lies. Isn't, that's quite the exchange, isn't it? To go from bearing the truth to being nothing, about nothing but lies. That's how great his fall was. And here he is, doing what he's always done, always working out this ancient sin, which is seeking to dethrone the Son of God Himself. That was his ambition, to destroy Him, And take his place. But of course. The almighty wasn't having it. God didn't even have to lift his finger. He just said Michael go take care of it. (laughs) And the archangel. Evicted him. I like that there was no more place for them in heaven. Sorry buddy. (laughs) You're evicted. You're out. And Michael threw him out. Deposed him from his position. Along with all the other angels under his authority. Those are the ones we now call. Demons. That's the view of Christmas from heaven. That's the view of what's going on up there in the heavenlies. But what does it look like down here from heaven? That stuff was all up there in the heavenlies. What is it like down here? It's the same conflict, the same foe is. Add it always, but yet now his wrath is turned against the rest of us, the children of God. I'm going to keep reading here, starting in verse 12. So he's, he's been thrown out of heaven. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Good for them, he's gone. But woe to you on earth and sea. For the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he'd been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of a great eagle, so she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half the time. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the red dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. Who's that? Who's the rest of her offspring? On those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. That's who. That's who he wages war on now. There's a lot in there we can't get into tonight. You're probably relieved by that. But uh, there's two takeaways I want you to have about this ancient foe of ours, this adversary, this deceiver, this liar, Satan who has been banished to the earth, to where we are now, today. Two takeaways. Number one, his time is short and his wrath is great. Secondly, he's making war on the children of God. That's what he does. Do you think we can afford to be like little children, not knowing what's going on out there? Of course, we can. My friends, we don't have that luxury. Too much is at stake. There's too much going on. And he's relentless. He doesn't stop until the end when God finally stops him. Until that time, he keeps going and he's struggling to destroy the work of God in and through his son. Even to this day, this Christmas business is high stakes. It's a big deal, and it affects every single one of us. I mean, it's been this way since the very beginning of human history. Think about your story that you learned about the Bible. All those old stories. Think about the snake in the garden. He was right there at the beginning, wasn't he? Seeking to despoil and ruin the good creation of God, doing everything he could to steal glory and to frustrate the plans of the Almighty. He was obviously behind that one. But yet there are other times in which the people of God are opposed. And you know what? You can be sure that he was behind the scenes in that one too. Such as the Egyptian enslavement of the children of Abraham. You bet he was involved in that. And then when they went into the promised land, all the different nations and peoples that rose up against the people of God to oppress them, to keep them out, to shut them down. Of course he was behind that. And every time those Midianites or those Philistines rose up to oppress and subject Israel, you know who was behind the oppression of the people of God. The dragon. It's always him. And then those great empires that would come hundreds of years later and oppress and subject Israel and then finally destroy the physical land of Israel... Tear apart the city of Jerusalem and burn it to the ground. Not one stone left upon another. And then it even happens at the birth of Christ himself. Just think of that awful genocide when Herod, the would be ruler of Judea, murdered all the males under the age of two when he heard that there was a new king of the Jews that had been born who do you think put it in Herod's heart to murder every single baby boy in the land you know it had to be the father of lies no one else could convince somebody that was a good idea and why would they hate this baby so much why not wait to see until he gets a little older maybe he's not a threat you know what I mean why try to nip it at the bud like that so viciously? And Joseph and Mary themselves only escaped through a visit from yet another angel who gave them the warning. There's so much going on behind the scenes in this world. And there's so much that is opposing Christ and, and God and the work that he wants to do and people like you and me. I mean, and here's how King David expressed it. You know, David, who was sort of the, the forerunner, the, the prototype Christ in a way, you know. Um, the king after God's own heart and the scourge of the Philistines, they couldn't beat David because he trusted in God. Well, he wrote this about this phenomenon in Psalms 2. He said, he, he's sort of just amazed at the persistence of all this hatred against the Lord. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. In other words, I want nothing to do with God. I want nothing to do with His purposes. I want nothing to do. I hate Him. That could only be inspired by one, the father of lies. And it only comes about in human wicked hearts that enter into agreement and to covenant with him. In Revelation, another place is he's a dragon. When St. Peter warns the church about him, this ancient adversary, he describes him as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And you know what's a bit insulting about it all is that you and I aren't even all that interesting to him. He's not interested really in us. Destroying and abusing us is how he's trying to get it, the one he really hates. We're just pawns in this battle that he keeps raging. And I'll say it again, you and I can no longer afford to be merely children and ignorant of this. Ignorance is not bliss. As there is a battle raging all around us. And there are dangers, spiritually speaking, that lurk in every corner. And Christ was born to finish what Michael had begun. Thanks be to God. Michael cast him out of heaven. Christ comes down to mop the floor with him here on earth. And the battlefield, believe it or not, is you and me. You ever think about it that way? It's not far off. It's within each and every one of us. If we're to understand Christmas and the one who was born, we've got to see it if we want the full picture from this more heavenly spiritual perspective. Then we'll begin to understand what's going on and how we're involved in it. And why does he, why, why, why does Satan constantly try without succeeding, but it doesn't stop trying to spoil and ruin the purposes of God? Why does he come against us? Well, I think it's captured beautifully in what we've just sung in that final verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sing." Some of my favorite Christmas lyrics of all time. I won't sing them to you, but I'll say them. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings. Risen with healing in His wings. Mild He lays His glory by. That was Him being God. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Think about what an aggressive act the birth of that baby was. On God, he was going full-on assault into the realm of darkness in this world. It's a very aggressive move. And the goal was to plunder him. Not only does he render Satan powerless and defeats him at the cross. He steals his plunder. The goal was to set you and me free from sin and death. And as that lyric just said, he was born to give us second birth. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The same dragon, though, is there, waging war against us. And the servants of God, in some places, sometimes he's trying to seek to devour us before we're even born, spiritually speaking. And he's oppressing us constantly every way, every step of the way through this life. He's coming at us, coming at us, coming at us. You know, we can feel it in the darkness that sometimes surrounds us. You know, have you felt it this year in 2020? I think you have. I have. We can feel it in the temptations that afflict us seemingly out of nowhere. Over stupid, silly things. Some of those, some of which we know would completely destroy our lives, and yet they're still so appealing. Where does that come from? And think about the irrational thoughts that just pop into our head. Like, where did that come from? You know, and and then the the discouragement and the the melancholy and depression that can sort of come onto us just out of nowhere, it seems. Just why am I so down? Why do I want to cry? What is going on? That's the ancient foe at work. And yet, here we are. Lights shining in the darkness, huh? And we're saying defiantly in his face, Christ is born. It's such a powerful, aggressive move, the birth of that baby to set us free from all this oppression and sin and death. And, you know, sometimes it gets pretty dark and I think we can all use a little assurance that his work is actually happening within our hearts. And that's just what we get in John 10. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And here's a word of comfort for you on Christmas. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Isn't that a good word? No one can snatch you out of the hand of Christ. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. We've got you, he's saying. And nothing is gonna take you away. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Absolutely nothing. Once you trust in Him, He's got you and you belong to Him and He is not letting you go. I don't care what sin might have come between you and the Lord. I don't care how cold your heart has grown. You can go to Him at any time because He's got you. And he's calling you to himself. You know, and that's the thing. That's, that's the truth of the gospel. And all of this is happening behind the scenes. And yet, you know, sin still blinds us to the reality. We think, oh, my Heavenly Father, he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to talk to me now after I've done that or after I just said that or are you kidding me, you know? Or maybe... The serpent begins to get some ground on you by fooling you that there's nothing to see here. It's just a baby. He's just a good guy, this Jesus, a noble teacher, a wise man, a loving person. And, you know, I'm just here at church because my mom came, made me come. Or my, you know, my friend or my spouse or whatever. Whatever. You know, it's just a bunch of superstitious people, an old tradition that wimps cling to to find support, and they can make it through their life, and you know. You see, the trick is, that's exactly what he wants you to think. Do you see how he's working against you constantly, without fail? And that's how he tries to devour the potential offspring of Now, I'll let you make up your mind. I'm either gaslighting you or I'm right. (laughs) I'll let you decide what you think I'm doing up here. But at least I've got you asking the question, don't I? I'm here to tell you that if you get the whole picture in view the stable and what's going on in war in heaven and the struggle against us and to get at the Lord, and, but His greater work in us. You see, we're so busy talking about the birth of that baby, but that is so 2,000 years ago, my friends. What Christmas is really about is the birth of you and me. You get that? You get what I'm saying here? By looking at that birth, by trusting in it, by presenting us with these questions and these issues and this bigger picture. The question is, what is it to you? Are you born again? That's why he came. We just sang it. Because that work of Christ is established and he's going to come again to finish it all in might and glory and in the meantime he's working in you. That's what's going on behind the scenes in you right now is he's working in you. So that you will be born again, or if you've already been born again, that you'll be renewed. And that you'll cling more closely to your Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. That's your Christmas behind the scenes. From the view of heaven. And you know, maybe this year is the year that you learn to rest in the fact that nothing can take you out of His hand. Maybe this is the year you become a Christian truly. And you know, I'm I'm thinking of and praying for several people in this room right now and a few that are watching on the camera. Why delay? Why not rest in his love? Why not know something of this new birth? all you've got to do is acknowledge your deep sin acknowledge your desperate need for him and your need to begin anew the mercy and the grace of a God who loved you enough to bother with this whole mess and to come down and invade the realm of darkness to rescue creatures like you and me why delay In the face of such love and power, let's pray. Heavenly Father, your mercy and your grace, your love and your power are greater than we could ever imagine. Nevertheless, show us something of them. Open our eyes to what you're trying to do, make it clear. Remove the fog. Remove the confusion. Remove the cold-heartedness. Sharpen our minds. Focus us on that manger which held the life of the world in it and help us to be those who come and feed upon him to make us new, to give us strength, to bring us into your kingdom the precious name of Christ, amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Peter's Lake Mary podcast. To find out more about how to get involved at St. Peter's Lake Mary, visit us online at stpeterslakemary.org. We would love to hear from you. Email us with your questions or thoughts at info at stpeterslakemary.org.